Welcome to Top Stories. I'm Andy Zaltzman, and you'll never guess what I've been up to. Yes, I've been delving around in the Bugle archives again, and I found this. Can you see it? It's the tape of Bugle episode 219. Both the British and the US governments had reached the halfway point of their administrations. Cue much navel-gazing on both sides of the Atlantic. And of course, myself and John Oliver were only too happy to give our unremittingly expertational verdicts. Top story this week, political hump week. And uh, this week, the British government reached its halfway point, Andy, as did the Obama administration, who, after the inauguration in just over a week uh, now, is staring at a countdown clock of four years before it is constitutionally fired. <laughs> and uh, unless they can make Obama a pretty convincing disguise, he is never going to be president again. <laughs> so it's time for both countries' administrations to look back at what they've done and forward at what they hope to do. There's been a lot of talk in the UK uh, over an audit that the British government has released on itself. And right away, that put up a little red flag for me, Andy, because you're not really supposed to do your own audit. And you know, if you do do it, it really has to be taken with a pinch of salt. And when I say pinch, I mean mountain of salt. <laughs> it's, it's like doing your own tax return, pronouncing it perfect, having someone called bullshit, and in response you saying that you'll take care of it, and doing your own audit as well before pronouncing that audit perfect too. <laughs> I, I would like this idea, Andy only if it came before an independent evaluation as well. If this essentially was the British public acting like the boss at the at an end-of-year performance evaluation, saying, before we tell you what we think, how do you think the first half of your time in power has gone? <laughs> so how do they evaluate themselves, Andy? Let me guess. Have they said that they've done very well in the circumstances? And has the opposition said that they've done very badly? And has everyone else taken issue with it as well? And if they then said... <laughs> but weren't the Olympics great? And as everyone then said, yeah, they were great, weren't they? And then forgotten what everyone was talking about. <laughs> that is basically, that's basically what has happened. Uh, and it's got an interesting, um, revealed a lot about the nature of, uh, of politics, that um, the coalition released a kind of halfway report saying how, you know, as you said, it was doing pretty well in the circumstances. But then later... Uh, a number 10 advisor was photographed carrying a restricted document warning of broken pledges in the coalition agreement, and the coalition was then kind of railroaded into releasing this audit of all the things that it hadn't done. So it just sort of showed how modern politics now is not about telling the truth. It is about appearing to tell the truth when you absolutely have no choice but to try to appear to be telling the truth. At the halfway stage, the coalition government is, as most governments around the world are, quite unpopular because governments when you're in government what you basically have to do is try not to f things up so badly that you don't get re-elected and the best way to do that is to f things up quite badly and then tell everyone that it could have been much worsely f***ed up if the other c**ts had been in charge and the, <laughs> the difference with a coalition is you can say well it is worse because some of the other c**ts have been in charge alongside us so if you let us have a go without those albatrosses shitting all over our necks next time we will make you so happy you'll be sleep talking sonnets about how great Britain is one of Cameron's more annoying traits uh, is puking out lines from television advertisements. He did it in Parliament a while ago, which I think we talked about on the Bugle, when he quoted a car insurance advert by saying, calm down, dear, to uh, Labour MP Angela Eagle, slightly giving the impression that he thinks Mrs Pankhurst was the worst <laughs> thing to happen to Britain since the plague. And now he described the coalition as being a Ron Seal deal. Now, I'm sure our British listeners will be only too depressingly familiar with the 
Ron Seal advertising slogan. It does exactly what it says on the tin, which has been on television for almost 20 years now. He'd also said that the report on the coalition was a full, frank and unvarnished report. So he was basically saying that the coalition was both unvarnished and like a tin of varnish. Now, a psychologist interpreting this would probably suggest he is thinking of varnishing something. Now, I think the conclusion to draw here, John, is that David Cameron is thinking of wood-panelling his wife, giving her a more classic kind of old-school look. I think that is the kind of guy we're dealing with. The, the key debate that's getting thrown up about the second half of the coalition government seems to be around the welfare state in Britain. The government won a crucial vote in Parliament this week on plans to limit annual increases in benefits to 1% for the next three years. That is, crucially, behind inflation, which is pretty bad news for some of the most vulnerable members of society in the UK. And I, I guess the government's response to that would probably be, eh, yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, now, yeah. Instead, they've tried to reframe the debate, saying that the benefits should not be going up faster than wages currently are. The Liberal Democrats' business secretary, Vince Cable, who truly, let's just pause, Andy, and repeat the fact, he has a sensational name, Vince Cable. <laughs> You shouldn't be a business secretary with a name like that. You should be a professional wrestler or a porn star. (laughs) Anyway, he said, it seemed fair to us to distribute some of this pain in a more equitable way. Wow. He sure has a way with work, Andy. (laughs) Redistributing pain. Uh, I think we'd like to redistribute some of this pain down to the poorest members of society, as they have proven over the years that they really are able to take a punch. (laughs) Well, I mean, it is interesting the way that they've, they've... Frame this, as you say, it's not uh, not about it being, you know, fair or the best use of resources. It's about the fact that they've already been unfair to a number of uh, large swathes of the public sector having their wages kept well below inflation. So they're trying to unite the country in an equality of unfairness. And as you say, you can you can share the pain throughout society unless, of course, you are lucky enough to be able to afford the extremely high-power financial painkillers that seem to exist at the top end. But everyone else, John, we're all together in a gloriously harmonious unity of unfairness from the top. And thats I don't think Britain's ever been happier than it is at the moment. Those against this have said that it is unfair to equate a 1% limit on benefits worth less than £100 a week with a 1% pay rise for someone on a salary of, say, £25,000 a year. And the debate has even been described as Skyvers versus Strivers. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the best way to put it, Andy. I mean, it's, it's definitely the best way to make it rhyme. And if that's the most important thing to you, then you've pretty much nailed it there. But in terms of fairly representing the debate, it's at best misleading and at worst stupid. That said, <laughs> it does rhyme. So, you know, it has a certain power. Uh, an ex-government minister, Sarah Tether, uh, has accused the government of playing playground politics with welfare and has said that using terms such as stri- uh, strivers and scroungers was unworthy of the coalition and risked creating envy and division between different groups. And I mean, that's basically true. Andy, they're essentially trying to turn low-wage earners against the unemployed. (laughs) They're trying to make working-class people fight each other. It's like a much less spectacular Roman Games. (laughs) (laughs) George Osborne uh, uh, previously justified the move by saying fairness is about being fair to the person who leaves home every morning to go out to work and sees their neighbour still asleep, living a life on benefits. Well... I mean, there's a number of things that arise from this. For a start, don't peer in through your neighbour's window in the morning. It just looks creepy. Now, the Tories have claimed that they're standing up for hard-working people. 
um, which is one of the more commonly used phrases in British politics now. In reality, the benefit cuts are going to affect millions of those hard-working people. Seven million workers will lose an average of £165 a year. Um, and also, not only hard-working people, but a lot of people who do work, but don't work particularly hard. Now, this is an almost mm. forgotten but electorally critical chunk of the British public. When you think how close the last election was, John, I think people who work but not very hard are basically the kingmakers in yeah. modern Britain. So I, I think the politicians need to be doing a lot more to attract these people who are lucky enough to have a job but don't really give a shit about it. Yeah, you never hear that crucial voting block mentioned, Andy. It's an absolute tragedy. <laughs> Chancellor George Osborne has also been criticised for some of the language that he has used over welfare, particularly when he sought to draw a distinction between those going to work early in the morning and others whose curtains were closed. (laughs) What the f*** is that, Andy? He sounds like a Dickensian villain. It's clear that George Osborne would ideally like to be wandering around London whacking poor people with a stick. Thank you for listening, Buglers. The latest new episode of The Bugle is in your pod feeds in T-5. Four, three, two, one, right now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss... Lime bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.